I don't think I know a Catholic alive, regardless of age, who does not know On Eagle's Wings. It is amazing how since it was written in the late 1970s, how it has penetrated the musical DNA of our Catholic identity. Yeah, you, you can't help but go to a funeral and hear this song, or to look in a hymnal, you know, Catholic or Protestant, and see this song is included. You know, as a music director who plays this song at most of the funerals that I do, it's a song that I still never get tired of doing because of how much it means to the people who ask for it. Yeah, I'm really excited that we're talking about this song today. So please open your hymnal to On Eagle's Wings. Who dwell in the shelter of the Lord, who abide beneath his shadow for life. I'm uh, Father Jan Michael Jankus. I presently serve as an artist in residence and a research fellow in Catholic studies at the University of St. Thomas. story behind it is the emotional one. Uh, I was uh, in Washington, D.C., visiting a very good seminary friend uh, who was studying there. And uh, we went out for dinner, uh, typical of me, let's have some food, uh, went out for dinner, came back, and there was a phone call for him that his dad had had a heart attack. So the song was actually generated between that evening and the wake service for his dad. We got him onto a plane back to Omaha, which he did the next day. And then I went back home uh, and worked on on the song. When you think about On Eagle's Wings and when it's written in terms of the arc of history in the church, it's really only about 10 years after the Second Vatican Council closes. 65 to 75 is this first explosion uh, when the council said, number one, that things could be in the vernacular rather than in the sacred languages. And secondly, when they placed high value on full conscious active participation of the faithful. Well, how are we going to do that? Where do we go? My first thought was, let's have a refrain so the congregation can can join in. And let's make the refrain pretty regular. Um, There are going to be suspensions in it, uh, but let's still make it fairly regular so it's not going to throw them off rhythmically. But the verses, the verses are for a canter. And I can be a lot more adventurous with that. Well, to my surprise, uh, after premiering it, in effect, on, on uh, that, that wake service and then singing it again the next day for the, for the funeral, uh, people started singing it. And contrary to what I thought they would do, they ended up singing the whole thing. The refrain's very straightforward. Ba ba bum ba ba bum. Well, once you got that as a suspension pattern, ba ba bum ba ba bum. The easiest thing in the world to do, and so you run up 
basically an octave and a fourth till you hit a climactic high do note, but you don't keep the voices there. You bring them down right away. Um, and I find that to be a pretty good rule with congregations. You don't want them up in the stratosphere. You want them to be able to sing where they're, where they're comfortable. And frankly, the refrain on Eagle's Wings is about as wide <laughs> as you can get a congregation to sing. I found this part particularly interesting, especially as an aspiring liturgical composer. I look at On Eagle's Wings, and I see that he basically breaks every rule in the book about what publishers tell you you should do when writing for a congregation. Maybe then one of the lessons from On Eagle's Wings is that you can't sell a congregation short. I certainly don't think that they can start with a... A suspension on the subdominant with the note T being sung. I mean, just it's really hard. Um, but somehow people love the song, and they don't. They don't, in a way, even think of how difficult it is. They just sing it. stuffed into my subconscious is all of the music I've listened to my entire life. And there are times when I don't even recognize that there's a phrase here or there that's really coming from another composer. Um, I never deliberately try to steal from someone, but it happens. And Eagle's Wings is a good example of that. The verses, if you know Right. Well, that's really something from Stephen Sondheim. Uh, I never realized it until maybe eight years after it was was published. Um, Wonderful little piece. um, Everything's different, just the same. Right. And and you realize, well, those four notes. And that suspension, that was really Sondheim's material. The rest of it's mine. Everything's different, nothing's changed, only maybe slightly rearranged. You're sorry. This is an eternal struggle for composers. I remember when I was in high school and I was first trying my hand at writing liturgical music, I was so excited because. I had set Psalm 27, um, and I'm walking around with this, uh, you know, humming this theme that I had composed. Um, da, 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 da. And of course, we know that that is note for note David Haas's setting of Psalm 27. But for those maybe two magical weeks, I had thought that I had composed that. Bad get worse. I think I meant that in reverse. You're sorry, grateful. Because I had been praying Psalm 91 all the time. Uh, I was in the seminary at that point, and Psalm 91 is one of the psalms appointed for night prayer. So I'd been praying that for years. And that then became the, the appropriate set of of biblical texts to try to work on. And he will raise you up on eagle's wings is uh, a phrase out of Exodus. 
and I'm 90% sure that the reference is to the people of Israel, not to an individual, but to the people of Israel, that he will take the people of Israel up on, on eagle's wings. Um, on eagle's wings. Bear you on the breath of dawn. That is uh, a combination of something I remembered from Old Testament and something I created. Um, if I take the wings of the dawn is really the line from Psalm 139. Uh, but breath of dawn just kind of hit me. Uh, make you to shine like the sun. That appears, what, I, I think what I was actually thinking about was now New Testament and the transfiguration story. Uh, his clothing becomes bright as light, uh, lightning, I think, in one of the Gospels. Um, and that that transformation of the risen, anticipated risen Christ uh, is something that, that then is offered to us. Uh, and to hold you in the palm of his hand is probably uh, a Celtic blessing. So each phrase was actually taken from a different area and stitched together. I learned that there's actually a name for that uh, because a lot of the patristic writers, early church writers, uh, created these texts by stitching together pieces from all over, and it's called a katena. Uh, so when I uh, when I now study uh, patristic era writing, I can see how they've really thought through all of these different connections between the different parts of Scripture. I think originally, because I hadn't done the careful scriptural work I've done since. Uh, I think I thought of it as, as uh, individual, and that I certainly know that I had been told by that point that the reason the metaphor worked or the image worked was that the mother eagle would carry the eaglet on its wings and then toss it off so it would learn how to fly on its own, and then the mother eagle would dive underneath the eaglet, and if it got, any, if it got into trouble then the uh, mother would catch it on its wings and raise it up again and toss it off until it learned how to, to fly on its own. And that seemed to me much more individual. But then when I did my study, I realized, no, this is this not. This is really about the people of Israel as a whole. Um, now, can I go back and tell everybody? <laughs> no. Uh, it, once you release it, the song has its own life. I can try to correct, I'll put that in quotes, understandings of it uh, when I'm in concert or giving a workshop somewhere. But I don't think that it really affects the, the kind of prayer that people do by using that song. It was amazing to hear how close we came to never having received this song. You know, with any piece of music, there needs to be a vehicle between the composer's pen and the congregation. But as Michael talked about, the world of publication, especially for liturgical music, was so different back then. I started writing liturgical music one in high school. I was in a high school seminary and we needed music for our worship. So I just wrote a lot of it. Uh, and then at the end of my high school life, I um, made an album. I was 18, 
and made an album recording for uh, Word Library. But right about that time, as I understand it, the Word Library folk music, folk church music division crashed. So they, they pressed it, but never distributed it. Uh, and I was so hurt uh, that I basically said, I'm never going to do this again, and started stockpiling the music. So I would, you know, go to create a fair score and then would Xerox it if people wanted it and just basically give it away. Well, <clears throat> the, the Franciscan sisters in Rochester, Minnesota, found out that I was doing this and said, well, we can help you. If you send us the fair scores, we'll keep them on file here. And then when people ask for them, we'll Xerox it, and we'll send it to them for the price of Xeroxing and the, and the uh, postage. It was wonderful. I did that for 10 years. And the problem, of course, became the sisters finally saying, there's too much music here. <laughs> um, you really need to go to a publisher and get some of this published because it's just too much work for us to keep Xeroxing this all off for people. So I sent, as I say, I sent maybe 30 songs into what was then North American Liturgy Resources. Uh, they, had, uh, they had published the St. Louis Jesuits' first couple of collections. And so I thought, well, I'd, I'd like to be uh, in the same kind of uh, company that, that they are uh, uh, working with. So I sent it and didn't hear anything for a while. And eventually Paul Quinlan called me and said, we're very interested in recording this. Will you come down to Phoenix and uh, we'll work on this? So I think there was a debate going on in North American Liturgy Resources. It was a little different in style than, than the St. Louis Jesuits uh, pieces were, even though it was still guitar-based. Um, and I, I think they were not quite sure, uh, given that, that kind of range and some of the rhythmic, in, rhythmic difficulties with it. But eventually uh, they accepted it, and then I went down to Phoenix and worked on, I think, 12 different pieces. And they were all psalms. I wanted to, to for the first collection that actually would get distributed, <laughs> I, I wanted to show that the psalms had many different ways of being engaged musically. The conversation about the songwriting, the text, the publication was all fascinating. I was also interested to learn about uh, the recording of the song. What I wanted was uh, guitar to be the, 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 the strong accompaniment instrument. And because I was so influenced by Peter, Paul, and Mary, I wanted it to be guitar played open and then a second guitar played capoed, so there's different patterns that you can set up in the writing. And that's, that's exactly what we did. I think I may have played both because the recording uh, techniques at that point allowed that. You could, uh, uh, you could lay down another track because everything was on gigantic tape that just went on and on and on and on. Um, then secondly, the singing, I wanted to keep the, uh, the solo 
voice for the verses and then have a, a choir or a chorus sing the, the refrain. I didn't at that point uh, write it as an SATB or even an SAB arrangement. Uh, it was just a unison line, and then I eventually added a, a kind of descant line. And then I think I also added a cello and a flute. For to his angels he's given a command To guard you in all of your ways Upon their hands they will bear you up Lest you dash your foot against a stone first entry into the world of liturgical music was as a violinist in kind of like a contemporary folk ensemble at the church that I grew up in. And so, of course, I grew up playing uh, the C instrument part uh, that Michael wrote to On Eagle's Wings. I was really surprised at what he said about those parts. What I know now is that I could write a much more idiomatic flute part that rather than holding notes... uh, there'd be motion in it. And I think the cello part likewise has, has, has some things where it just holds too long and I could have done some, some more fun arpeggiation with it. But, you know, you, you do what you do at the time that you do it. You offer it and then you let it go. at the beginning of this conversation on eagle's wings is something that in many people's minds is so connected to their experience with funerals and i was wondering zach if you have any poignant memories or recollections of maybe personal experiences of this song at a funeral i actually have a very recent memory of this song uh just this past year my great aunt rosie died and i had just happened to be home in michigan Uh, when that happened. So I was uh, blessed to be able to take part in the funeral. And uh, the family, um, my family, of course, uh, asked me to uh, provide the music. And they asked for On Eagle's Wings. And I play On Eagle's Wings for many funerals throughout the year. But it really did take on a new feeling when um, I was singing it for my own family, for my own aunt, uh, who who I was close to growing up. Yeah, and I, I think that echoes or parallels a lot of people's experience. But when you think about it, there isn't really any explicit funeral reference in this song. I don't know if it has something to do with the first use was a wake service and a funeral, and then other people began to pattern that. They saw that as an appropriate one. But in fact, um, I've used it at baptisms. It's used a lot at weddings. Uh, precisely because there is no direct funeral reference. Uh, There's a covenant reference in it that's very strong. And I think there's a sense of uh, comfort and that that God will be a sustaining presence in your life. Well, from baptism, confirmation, uh, and certainly during the covenant of, of, of matrimony, of marriage, uh, those are all possibilities. I call that the multivalence of Scripture. 
And I love watching how that happens. Um, we don't pin down Scripture to mean only one thing. It's too rich. Uh, there's too much being revealed in it. So to use this and the use the song in different uh, circumstances seems to me appropriate. I can point to two other examples where it really isn't thought of that way, which again suggests that the multivalence is really operative. Um, dominant culture may see it as a funeral song right now, but uh, Native Americans, I was very surprised to find this, really like the song. Uh, even though it's not written in their style at all, it's not accompanied by a hand drum, doesn't use the modal structures of, of, of real Native American music, but they like it because of the eagle image, which is very sacred to them. And, you know, who am I to say, don't, you know? And the other one that was really surprising to me was the um, United States Air Force uh, Chapel. I it's in Colorado. I don't remember what city, but that the cadets find this to be a, a powerful piece for them. Well, again, the eagle image and soaring, you know, becomes part of it. has been pointed out on eagle's wings is in dozens of hymnals in multiple denominations it's been translated into lots of different languages and it's been sung at celebrity funerals and papal masses even michael crawford sang it in a concert on pbs um, and it's interesting to hear more about the trajectory of this song and how it became so well known not only in church circles but also in the wider world i think it became popular fairly quickly. I'd say within probably three years, uh, it was being recognized. Certainly, I knew that it had kind of come of age. Uh, the Oklahoma bombings, the wife of the governor asked specifically that Eagle's Wings be sung at the memorial service. Well, that's way beyond Catholic auspices and way beyond, frankly, religious auspices. Uh, here's a, a civic event uh, where, where there was the decision that this could actually help us um, grapple with that, that tragedy. Uh, and I think she, or maybe the, the, the governor's staff, uh, actually commissioned a symphonic uh, version of it, which was done at the, at the uh, memorial. So I think from that point on, I knew it had, it had really gone out into the wider world. And then it's been showing up in Catholic hymnals, but Lutheran and Baptist and Methodist hymnals too. Michael Jonkis has, of course, written many songs that are sung in churches all over the world. No Greater Love, I Have Loved You, We Come to Your Feast, Come to Me, uh, The Winter Name of God. I mean, there are so many and yet I think I, I think it is fair to say that, you know, he will forever be associated first with On Eagle's Wings. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of composers or authors or screenwriters who hope to produce something or give life to something 
that becomes as well known is on eagle's wings but at the same time it must also be very difficult to give life to something that's so well known and also have the rest of your body of work be as recognized and cherished as well on eagle's wings for me is i think a little bit like bolero was for ravel meaning it was something written relatively early uh ravel writes bolero as kind of an exercise in orchestration but people love it they're absolutely you know overwhelmed by it but he writes a lot of other things uh for me uh eagle swings is a little bit like that uh i get identified as a folk composer rather than kind of wide-ranging one now am i ashamed of eagle swings not at all can i still sing it and pray it absolutely do i believe other people can too yes but it's not everything i've written uh, so that's probably what i'd like people to know <laughs> probably the most inspiring thing that i took away from our conversation with michael was that even though he's written a song that has touched so many people he is still searching, and he is still not satisfied with the work that he has done. This is going to be a little too heartfelt, okay? The one thing I would like to do before I die is write something of transcendent beauty that, that will, in fact, express people's prayer. Uh, there is a, I've been doing some pure choral writing. Uh, frequently that actually doesn't expect any congregational participation at all. And some of those pieces, I think, touch it. They're almost on the edge of this. I have a setting of, uh, of the Rorate Celi. I have uh, a setting of uh, Cardinal Newman's prayer, May Christ Support Us All the Day Long. Uh, I have a new one, which is... Uh, Mechtilde of Magdeborg, <laughs> and uh, it's called O Burning Mountain, and you you have uh, ten epithets for God, and after you've named all of them, and each of them has their own kind of choral sound, the very end of the piece is, you know, O Burning Mountain, O uh, Radiant Star, right? The end is, the least of your creatures sings your praise. <laughs> And I love that, so. And now, here's a live recording of On Eagle's Wings, presented in its entirety. The snare of the fall 
for listening to the Open Your Hymnal podcast. On Eagle's Wings is published by OCP Publications. The recording you heard was released by GIA Publications on the album Come and Journey with Me. Links to this material and other resources can be found in the show notes on our website at openyourhymnal.com. We'd especially like to thank Father Michael Jonkis for this interview. Production assistance and support was also provided by Marty Haugen, Lori True, David Haas, Michelle Hugue, and St. Catherine University. Be sure to follow Open Your Hymnal on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to this podcast through iTunes. Our next episode will feature an interview with composer Marty Haugen and his song, All Are Welcome. So I had the seed, sort of the kernel of what I wanted it to be, uh, an image of how all are welcome. And uh, just without any conditions. So the idea was I wanted to write something that would say that. For Open Your Hymnal, I'm Matt Riker. And I'm Zach Stahowski. Thanks for listening. Let us be.